Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. The glorious sunshine of your Saturday or fall, Sunday, though. depending on when you're listening. Yep. It's fall. Yep. No, oh, it's not. It's beautiful. It's the last house. weekend of summer. Like it, was it, five, it was five degrees Thursday night. It's fall. Ah. Yeah. It's it's getting cold at night, but we're in for a beautiful weekend. And I beautiful think, week, actually. Yeah. 23, 24 every day. That's pretty nice. Uh, I'm taking my, my jet skis out of the water today. It's getting dark early, too. Uh, 7.15, I'm going, yeah. whoa, wait a minute. What yeah. happened to 9.30? Yeah. yeah, yesterday I got out of the arena at, at 10 to 8, and I walked out and I was like, oh my it's God, black. it's dark. Yep. Ten, it was black. It's, it's 10 to 8. Yep. So changes quick. Less, I used to, less I used to, working time for Greg. Well, that's it, eh, Greg? Like you, you went now that when Greg used to go shoot in the summertime, he could shoot much later. But in the wintertime, what do you tell the agents? Like last shoot is at what time? Well, depending on how late we get in the season, but I'm starting to tell them like, I don't want to start the shoot much later than like two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, because as the sun gets lower and lower, you start to get these weird shadows, yeah. you know, interior, exterior. So just earlier, the better. How long's the shoot, Greg, when you're in there? Always depends on the size of the house, obviously, but uh, typically we'll book 90 minutes to two hours, depending on the size of the house. But he's not just doing pictures, right? Like he's doing the videos and he's doing walkthrough tours and measurements and yep. plus the pictures and all that. So it takes, a, it's a, it's a good chunk. It's a couple hours. I read an article this week. <laughs> Somebody had posted pictures online, listed the house. Couple was in bed. Oh, nice. They were renters. They didn't want to sell the place, so they didn't get out of bed. Uh, I had to take the picture of them in bed. <clears throat> you know what's funny is, is. To be a landlord today is a t- is really tough. I mean, I'm a big, big believer in, in owning doors. I've always talked about owning doors. It's tough to be a landlord today. And it's, there's, I mean, tenants have all the rights and, you know, obviously tenants should have rights, but they really have all the rights. And we're struggling with some people who want to sell their house and the tenants are not making it easy. They don't want to leave. A lot of tenants right now are on sweetheart deals, right? Because the prices went up so quick that it's hard to raise the rent quick enough to keep up with what the going rent is. And so, you know, a lot of people are really, really under rented. And sometimes people are like, you know what? I'm so under rented. My rates have gone up through the roof. I'm losing money on this investment. I'm going to go sell the, sell the property. And the tenants do not make it easy. I'll tell you that. So what do you do in that case? It's, it's tough. I mean, sometimes you got to negotiate with the tenants and say, listen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you to leave. We're selling anyway. So you're going to have to find somewhere else to live. Could we pay you to leave? Uh, now if they're on a, if they're on a, um, a lease, that's a different story, but if they're on month to month, then that's a different story as well. Like you can't kick them out if they're on a lease, but if they're on month to month, if you're selling your property, they still have the right to stay in that property until they have to give vacant possession. So if they're on a lease, you have to wait till that lease is expired before you can sell your own place? Or, well, you can sell it, but you have to sell it with the tenant in there, right? So, uh, and, and you know, and if your tenant is under rented, I mean, if you're the going rate for a townhome is 2,600 and your tenant's paying you 1,900, not likely you're going to find someone who wants to pick that up as an investment. Cause I mean, with the rates, the way they are, you're going to be underwater. So it's really hard. I mean, I know, I believe tenants need to have rights. I believe landlords need to have rights, but it's really swung in a, in a, in a, in a really heavy tenant direction where they have all the rights and it's tough. I mean, when you worked your butt off to own yourself an investment property and you know, you're, you're, I mean, I went into one of mine two weeks ago and I, the people had been there for a month. My floors were all scratched up. I didn't know they had a dog. The dog's scratching at the door, jumping at the door. It, it, it looked disgusting, to be honest with you. And I just said to him, I'm like, guys, you know what? I work hard for my money to buy this property, to have a nice home for you guys. You guys need something. I always give it to you. And this is what my 
this is the way my townhome looks. Like it's just, it's not right. And yeah. it's anyways, I'm off on a tangent on that, but it's, it's that's just a small percentage to be yeah, fair. That's yeah. not the majority of renters. No, I mean, that's no, a small no, no. percentage of renters. And yeah. that's why you got to really do your research as to who you're renting to and try to get as much information. Listen, don't go by the references. And I, you know, I, I kind of chuckle all the time. People say, yeah, I call the references. The references are their family and friends. They're not going to say anything bad about them. Yeah, who would you include a bad reference on their own? Exactly. You, know, exactly. you know the reference you need is their last landlord. Yes. Yeah. Like, there why are they leaving your last landlord's place? So that's one you need to call for sure. Um, that and, and credit rating, right? Well, credit check, I mean, well, you have to do a credit check. I'm a big believer. I don't care if you have to keep your place not rented for a month or two to find that perfect tenant. Finding that perfect tenant is worth its weight in gold because if you don't get that perfect tenant, and you get someone who, you know, doesn't treat your house the way you want it to be treated, you you, don't, you can't get them out. Like, you just can't get them out. You just wait until they decide they want to move. Rent not cheap in Ottawa. Over $2,000 average now. It is. It is. I mean, you talk a about- A bachelor is sixteen eighty six now for a bachelor. Yep. Yep. It's, the rents have gone through the roof, like through the roof. And, and you know why? I mean, we have, we have 623 rentals on the market right now. And someone would say, that's super high. But those are being absorbed so fast because first-time home buyers can't afford to get into the market. So what are they doing? They're renting, right? They can't afford the mortgage. They can't afford the payment. So they're renting. So if you're a renter or your landlord right now trying to rent out a property, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it's pretty easy to rent out a property. And yet they're right still out. in the ditch unless they've owned the property for a while. And most of them have. I mean, if you've owned that property for a while, most likely your mortgage is quite low. I mean, most of my townhomes, my mortgage is like 100000 So I mean, you, my payments are quite low. So, but if you've just bought it over the last few years and you're trying to rent it out, there's a very good chance, depending on what rate you're locked in at, there's a very good chance that you could be underwater on that rental for sure. Speaking of locked into rates, they're talking about 70 to 90 year amortizations. Now some people are looking at. It's embarrassing. It's It's crazy. It's awful. I mean, it's happened, unfortunately, at, at the, at the pace that interest rates have gone up. Unfortunately, this is what comes with the territory when you've got a mortgage that has static payments. In hindsight, I, th- I think that OSFI, we are going to see some amendments to the way they do that. They are going to put a maximum amortization number that a bank can go to with clients. But I will say this. It has allowed clients to remain in their homes. Most of these clients for would now. have had to abandon those homes for now. So, you know, a lot of those mortgages have renewals coming up over the next 18 to 36 months. And depending on where rates are at that time will determine whether those people will be able to remain in their homes because they may not be able to afford those homes. You might see people doubling up payments and things like that, trying to get that They can barely make ends meet now. That's why they left their payment static. Most people, like they have a choice. You have a choice to go in and amend your payment. Most people aren't amending their payment because they can't afford to increase their payment, not because they don't want to, because they can't afford to. They'd have to give up their home, and that's what they're afraid of doing. And the banks won't renegotiate, obviously. Well, the banks are, are limited to what they can do. So right now they can get away with this because it's written in their contract that they have static payments on variable rate mortgages and they can allow the, the amortization to go up. Where it gets tricky is on a renewal. Once the renewal comes up, that's where the bank has has rules in place where they must now follow their, their registration period. So if a mortgage got registered for 25 years, five years later it's down to 20 years. When they offer the renewal, the renewal must be for a 20-year period. Otherwise, the registration expires, and that's when the customer is going to be blindsided and told, you know that payment you've been making, $800 biweekly? Well, it's $1,600 biweekly yeah. now to get you back up to 
20 year amortization. That's, so that's going to be crippling. It's, oh, it's yeah. going to be absolutely crippling. And like you said, people are just being able to afford their payments. Now you, you start doubling those payments as, as prices are going up for homes, for groceries, for gas. Like it's going to be ugly. Again, the only good news is that they've been able to stay in their home. So these are people that may have bought in their home in 2021, 2022 near the peak. So they've been able to stay in their homes, which is good. Um, but again, I mean, the telling tale will be two years from now, a year and a half from now, when the mortgages come out for maturity, and what whether OSFI makes some adjustments to the policy, allowing a bank to register it for thirty years again, and allowing that client to go up to thirty years, so that their payment won't go from eighteen to sixteen, but might go from eight hundred to twelve hundred, which they could probably afford to do stay you, in their home. Do you see in the near future amortizations going back to thirty, thirty-five years? Not if OSFI has their way. I mean, right now they're trying to they're trying to keep everything the way it is. Again, they're they're patting themselves on the back because when they introduced the stress test, it did what it was supposed to do, and they were right. I mean, to to a degree, they they were right because as interest rates went up, and that's what they were trying to do is get clients to qualify at five and a quarter, so that if interest rates were to go up from the all time lows, that they would still be able to afford their homes. What they never counted on is interest rates going to 7%. So, yeah. um, but again, now there's an argument out there. Okay, now we've reached 7%, 6 and 7%. <laughs> Why do we have to qualify people at plus two now? There's a good chance that now we've hit the peak of interest rates and now interest rates should only come down. So now why can't we adjust and be proactive and say instead of qualifying at, pro- at your contract rate plus two, if you take a contract, a five-year contract, then you can qualify at that contract rate. If you take a shorter term, maybe it's whatever contract rate is plus one if you want to take a shorter term so that there's some protections there. So that's kind of the push that I think, um, you know, a lot of Canadians are going to maybe put towards uh, OSFI and FISRA to make sure that some changes are in effect. So we're in the 8% qualifying area? Yeah. Yeah. You're in the eights unless, you know, you're getting a – now, there is – there are some – Banks out there that are talking about doing a discounted six-month mortgage where uh, you'll get a lower rate for six months and then they can qualify. So so now we're going to start to see potentially some games being played mm-hmm. where let's let's offer a three-month or six-month mortgage at, you know, 4%, but then they have to stay with us and convert, but they're still committed to us for five years, but then we can qualify them at whatever the contract rate is for the three months plus two. So we might start to see these. And then it would of, renew after that. Well, then it would renew after that. At but now you rate. don't have to qualify. Yeah. You're, not, you, you're not under the qualifying rate. So now you're qualifying at that, that rate that you're getting on your contract for the short term. Wow. So. Hey, listen, you, you said your investment properties are very small mortgages. Uh-oh. Why There's haven't a... you rolled that over again? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> Where'd you think I was going with that? You I don't know. I, I can, I can tell. We, I he know gets we're nervous going. every time he hears small. He gets nervous. Oh. <laughs> we go to a break. He goes, "Okay, I'm gonna yep. get a shot." Here. Yeah, yeah. Because you look right at me. I see that little smirk on your face. I'm like, I'm. He's leaving me with a parting gift as we go to the break for sure. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Paul Rushworth here. Frank Napolitano here. All right. I'm a little confused. First time homebuyers having a hard time getting in the market. Yes. But according to Equifax, they're driving mortgages. 
Well, Most- they're driving mortgages because, uh, you know, they're still first time home buyers are still the majority of the ones that are buying. Now, now we've taken investors out of the market because, you know, like we talked about in the first segment, cash flow is really difficult today. And there's a lot of professionals that have seen and read the stories of the nightmares of being a landlord and uh, and what comes with the landlord potentially if you get a bad tenant. So again, with the interest rates being high, your return on investment, if you stay away from a property and go into other investments potentially is very high, where what we were seeing before is if you're only putting money in a GIC at 2%, why not buy a property? See if I can get a 10% return on a property. So so again, we're just seeing a little bit of a switch there. But first-time home buyers in general are the ones that are still buying homes because the the investors are out of the market right now. There's no market for them. It's it they can't cash flow properties. And the other part, of course, is refinancing. Refinancing is huge today because people are struggling with cash flow. And if their mortgage is coming up for maturity and they have and they're two percent more than what they were used to paying, then they're Reamortizing their mortgage and throwing some of the debt into their mortgage so that they can live comfortably like they've been accustomed to. How many people are disappointed these days when they leave your office compared to the old days? Well, so, you know, my glass has always been half full. And for many people, what actually your glass has been full. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty full. Thank you. Especially, uh, especially, especially at breakfast time when, oh, I, yeah. when I buy it. Oh, <laughs> see, it took it took the second segment for it to come up. I was gonna I, bring it up. I was gonna bring it up. I didn't get anything, by the way, but somehow he bought himself breakfast and brags about it. But uh, anyway, but uh, uh, no, like like you know, most people that come in, they're disappointed at the rate, no question about it. But again, these are people that. Most of them have owned their home for longer than five years, but even the ones about five years ago that would have purchased a home for four hundred and fifty thousand, today that same home is six hundred and fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars in value. So we can focus on the negative part of it, which is now your mortgage, you're gonna have to increase your amortization or your payments gonna go up if you keep the same amortization because the rates have gone up. But it's okay to also pat yourself on the shoulder and say, Hey, but you know, I never imagined that five years ago that my house would be worth 700 today that I yeah. paid for 450. You so you still got a cash flow though. You st- you still got a cash flow, but that's where the increased amortization comes in where you can keep your cash flow relatively neutral. So if you got a house with a 25 year amortization 5 years ago, yeah. you can go back to 25 again. You can go to 30 if you want, really, because at this point you've built up more than as long as your equity is more than 20%, you can wow. go to a 30 year amortization. So that's that's what a lot of clients are doing. Now, they're doing it hesitantly. They don't want to. They'd love to stay at the 20 years, but they're also being realistic about the fact that the interest rates are higher. And I say to them, listen, this isn't for 20 years. If interest rates come back down on your next renewal, if you take a variable two years from now and the interest rates have come down and you decide to lock in and now the rates are back in the threes, we can lower your amortization. Once you convert it to a fixed mortgage at this point, you can go from the 30-year down to the 18 or 19 years again, based on the fact the interest rates are low, but you're only going to have to weather the storm while the interest rates stay high and just keep the amortization high just for a short period of time. So how does the math work out if you raise the amortization, but also raise your payments when you can? Well, again, the payments, every every extra payment you make goes towards the principal. And, and, And as a result of it, there's Every subsequent payment, there's more going to principal and less going to interest, which in turn lowers the amortization. So, you know, I always say to clients, don't get so caught up on the amortization part of it. Let that number be what you're eligible to pay, what what you're capable of paying and being comfortable. And then let the interest rates, as they start to come down, let that be your focus and then increase the payments at that point to lower your amortization based on the fact that 
now you can you can make more payments or, or you can keep the payment the same, but because the interest rate has come down, you've got more going to principal and less going to interest if you're in a variable. With the uh, rate hold, has the mood changed in the past week, Paul? Uh, we've been busy. Like uh, I, We've been quite busy. I mean, our number of sales, are, we're, we're probably going to have one of our best September. So it's, it's, I, I feel like in the market is very optimistic. I mean, the rates are still, those last two rate increases have really dampened the market, really yeah. dampened. So before those, when we had, I think it was two rate holds, uh, in a row, uh, the, the market was was I felt starting starting, to take, starting off, yeah. to take off. I mean, you saw at the end of January, our average sale price was six twelve. Well, now we're up to six fifty. So, you know, six sixty. Sorry. So, like, we're we're it was going in the right direction. It was definitely going in the right direction. I think we have one more rate hold, which I'm hoping we are. Um, <clears throat> I think the optimism will stay there, and then come the new year when we potentially get some rate drops, that will be really, really good for the market. We have one or two <clears throat> left. I think we have two. Two more two. left in the year. Two more announcements left in the year. I'm, I, I, I'm still of the belief that I don't think there's any more rate increases, despite yeah. the fact that I think we'll see inflation get closer to 4% when the next inflation number comes out because the price of oil has gone up as fast as it has. But I still believe that if you're listening to the the messages in the background where you've got Trudeau this week acknowledging that there's not enough housing, uh, acknowledging that Canadians are struggling. If you start to see all that stuff in the background, I'd like to think that Tiff Macklem is also listening and saying, okay, yes, inflation's gone up to four, but we still think you know it's going to start to retract back down again. So why put another increase in? Why hurt Canadians does, again does instead this, of just leaving it alone? Does this guy live under a bridge? Does he not see what's going on to all these Canadians? Does he not see how people are starving and struggling and debts through the roof? You wait till he, people start losing homes. He should. Well, yeah, no, but, no, there's power sales. Power sales are up tremendously. So banks banks have come out. They've said their payments are okay. So their delinquencies are just slightly up, but their power sales are, are up much more. So power sales are basically when somebody gets to 90 days in arrears and they cannot afford their home. Now- a lot of the lenders came out and said a lot of the power sales are, are for people that purchased their homes in 2021 at the peak. And now they're looking at it saying, well, why do I, I'm struggling to make payments. Why do I got to make payments when my house has gone down in Toronto? Some houses have gone down by $300,000 in value. So a house that they would have paid 1.4 is now valued at 1.1. So of course, at this point, the the consumer saying, I'm better off just to walk away from this. We're and seeing that here too, though, Frank. Like $300,000, not uncommon. I mean, if you bought a, a townhome in suburbia a year, year and a half ago, and you were paying mid-sevens, you're now, I mean, there's builders who are building 1,800 square foot townhomes for five ninety nine. you know? Yeah. So it's the, the prices of yeah. But it's a long game. It is a long game. And here's what I tell people. People are like, why are you suggesting that people buy now? The rates are so high. And, I'm, and the caveat to that is, Buy now if you can stomach the rate for a year, year and a half. Buy now. Because the prices have come down. You can get, depending on where you're looking to buy, you can get a really nice product for way less than it was a year ago, a year and a half ago. And and the prices are, in my opinion, about to go back up high. And not high, but about to go back up. And I think if you can get in now, now's the time. You have to be able to stomach the rate for a year, year and a half. And if you can do that, you'll find that that, you know, $589,000 townhome is now worth 700 in a year yeah. and a half from now. So, you know, I just, I would hate to see people, and I told a story, I know we got to go to break here, but I told a story about a couple who waited every year because it's, oh, it's going to go down. It's going to burst. It's going to burst, but it's going to burst. Then they ended up buying in February of 2022 when the market was at the highest peak. 
they paid $650,000 for a product we could have got it for three twenty-five five years earlier that they didn't listen to us. And they just said, oh, it's coming down. It's coming down. It never came down. So don't be that person. That's why I don't understand why people would walk away. <clears throat> because unless they were planning on selling originally, they were planning on being there for another five, 10 years anyhow. Well, listen, if your house is upside down, which some people who bought in 2022, the early part of 2022, they're upside down. Their house is worth less than what they paid for it. Hold on, unless you have to sell, don't worry about it. It will rebound. And I tell the story every time. My West End office and my East End office, I overpaid for both of them. Yeah. I knew I overpaid. People thought I was stupid to overpay. And now people think, whoa, you got a great diamond there. So don't divorce for another three, four years? Yeah, don't do that. You just stay together. Stay together. Even if you're you know, miserable, just stay. <laughs> 521 talk 521 We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Mr. Napolitano, Mr. Rushforth. Yep. All right. Is there any good news in our future? I'm tired of talking about rates and, and delinquencies. And actually, mortgage delinquencies aren't up that much. It's the, it's the non-mortgage delinquencies that are up 26%. Uh, again, I mean, uh, you know, and here I said, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. Seriously, what, do like, I do? what is that? Like, I'm looking down at my stats going, okay, where can I pull out some good news? And then you go right into mortgage delinquencies. But, but let's be real. Like, like it's okay. Like our show's real. And at least we can say it the way it is. And we're not sugarcoating anything. I mean, uh, the credit card debt is at an all time high in Canada, yeah. but Canada's not the only country. All countries are facing these challenges. So it's a world problem right now. European Union just raised their... Uh... They did. And my God, I mean, there, they're beside themselves. People yeah. in Europe are beside themselves. And they're not as high as we are, are they? They're not as high as we are, but they're beside themselves of what they're paying for oil and gas. Gas in Italy is like, it's $2.70 a liter. Yeah. Like, like, it's not, like, it's not... It's bad here, but it's it's worse in some other countries, so... I think we're lucky that we're actually in a place where our average sale price is still affordable. Like, you know, it's not is as it if we're, well, it's not as if we're in California where, I mean, I'm hobnobbing with a lot of these American realtors where their average sale price is like 2.1 million. I'm like, how does the average person and what's their job force? Like, I could tell you, it's not crazy. Like, you know, it's like if, if our average income for a household income is 116 or something like that here in Ottawa, um, is there's 400? No, there's no, just, there's no, but California to-, to me is like Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, they're, they're anomalies, but you look at other places like, you know, like I said, I had a client that wanted to buy a property and was looking at the numbers and then got offered a job in Atlanta, Georgia, and found a similar home that he was looking at paying 850 to 900 here for 425 there and making $25,000 US more. So chose to go down there. So again, there's other centers. Now it's no different in Canada. We talk about Ottawa. Ottawa's probably top six, top seven expensive houses yep. in Canada. We're not Toronto, we're not <laughs> Vancouver, but there are other places. And with, and with you know, mobile working and people working from home, we've seen this big push towards the Maritimes. Now, the Maritime people aren't too happy either because then their, their kids, go up, yeah, yeah. Their pr- now, if you own a home, you're happy because now your house is worth more. But if you've got kids that are now graduating from university and are looking to buy a house, it's it's tougher for them to buy a house. So you you do say you are true about the Maritimes and that we, we have a lot of people who are moving out east right now, and mainly for affordability because they are working from home. It's a lot more affordable. Just like during the pandemic when the prices were going through the roof, well, 
Toronto was not not affordable. So we had so many people from Toronto coming to Ottawa that even though our prices were crazy to them, our prices were a joke. Like, you know, to, to get a townhome for 750 grand is nothing because in, in Toronto, that's 1.2 million. Right. So it's, we had a lot of people moving here. Uh, just like now we have a lot of people moving out East and it's, it's, we're, we're seeing quite a bit of it right now, especially with people being able to work from home. Easy fix right off the interest. I, I, I totally agree with that. Not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen. It would be that, so nice though. I mean, the, boy, what a change in the market that would be. That's what they do in the States, right? Yeah. You can write off the interest of your house and that's, uh, uh, maybe that's what got them into trouble too, right? Like, I mean, their, their laws well, are a little the more mortgages relaxed, higher, yeah. right? So people keep their mortgages higher so they can write off the interest. So that's not, that's not the Canadian way. The Canadian way is to buy a house and try to tackle your mortgage that it's gone in 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, again, 60, 70 years now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, I mean, listen, there's a flaw in the system. The flaw in the system is you can buy a house with 5% down and you have to take a 25-year amortization. And if five years from now you've built some equity and you've got more than 20% equity, 20% or more of equity, then you can ramp it back up to 30 years. So it's like, so why is there a rule that says 25 if I can bring it back up to 30 once I get to 20% yeah. equity? Like what's, what's the Especially reasoning behind it? Especially if you're a first-time homebuyer. That's my opinion. Uh, again, it's just for me. If you're a first-time home buyer and you're in your 20s or 30s, what's wrong with having a 35 or 40-year amortization? What's wrong with that? You're going to get there anyway. If you really wanted to, you can get to 35 or 40 years. You can honestly always be in a mortgage with a 30-year amortization because no bank or lender can discriminate against age. So you could be 65 years old and say you want to refinance your home, and the bank will offer you a 30-year amortization. So now you have a mortgage until you're 95. So, But why not a 40-year amortization for first-time homebuyers? Because once their salaries start to go up, <coughs> they'll be able to pay down. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a 40-year amortization. And once uh, you're in the market, you're in the market, right? Exactly. So that's it's it would be great to get some of these young Canadians into the market. But right and now, so it's so what that you're 30 and at 40 years, it's 70 years. So what? I mean, I, there's nothing to stop them from going until they're 70 or 75 years with a mortgage anyway. It's not like. So there's no discrimination? No discrimination. So like you someone can't. like Steve could go in and get a mortgage. Well, yes. Let's, let's not get carried away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now, his hourly rate is fantastic. Yeah. The hour he works with us, it's amazing. <laughs> hey, come to think of it, I haven't had a raise in a bunch of years. I must bring that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're replaceable. You know what? Steve, <laughs> I am not replaceable. You are not replaceable. Not a chance. Steve, uh, it all depends. We will give you a raise if you can go over to the place where we have breakfast and get him to bring down the prices because I can't afford the raise because I'm constantly buying breakfast. Oh, God. Please. Sorry. I get my raise with my old age yes. pension. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing, right? Pensions are another story. I mean, the pensions haven't gone up as much as cost of living has gone up. So, again, this is where we have seniors that are struggling out there and are wondering whether they should keep their house or not. They're thrilled. Again, most seniors I talk to are thrilled at the value of their house. So yeah. it's not like it's all bad for them because, you know, you know, an, um, an elder person who's in their 60s or 70s or 80s, uh, which includes you and me, what am I talking about here? Okay, 70s and 80s. He knew it was coming yeah, right back at him. <laughs> 70s and 80s, you know, that have, that have been in their home for many years, what they've seen in the last three years and four years on the value is absolutely amazing because it's offset at least the fact that you know, living in the house is a little bit tougher and more expensive, but at least they've got the equity to fall back on. And that's why we're seeing reverse mortgages with an uptick because, yeah. again, those seniors are thinking that they want to stay in their home. They can, they'd can, they love to remain there and not go anywhere else. So uh, doing a reverse mortgage, as much as it's got some negative connotation to it because your mortgage balance goes up every month, 
it still allows you to stay in that home. Uh, what are our thoughts on uh, taking the GST off rental properties for builders? Uh, so, so, they, so, so they so, so if they're building new rentals, well, so they when won't you have to pay the G, is that going to make you do the savings you, go to people? That's my question's always been. So now they're not paying the GST, but if they're going to charge the same amount for the units and they're pocketing the profit, well, you haven't helped anyone at that point. Well, they're built so. the thing the theory is they would build more. Well, hold on. Are you talking about more? when they build when they build a property if you're buying it for a rental? No, no, this is what's being proposed no. by the government now. Okay. They haven't brought it in yet. The builders don't pay the GST. The builders wouldn't pay the GST if they're building rental property. Everything they're buying, so all the materials, all the they don't pay any GST on it. But as long as they pass that savings on, Mike my fear is that okay, they're not paying the GST, but they were going to build a house. They were going to charge five forty. They're still charging five forty. They're not paying the GST. Well, so so who's benefited from that? Yes, we're building more houses. I love I, I love that part of it, but not if it means that their profits go up as opposed to it being passed down to the consumer. That's that's the issue I have. But we got to build a lot of homes by twenty thirty. Three three point five million. So they they want to build three point five million more more. Yes. But they want to build in seven years what's taken them thirty years to do. Yeah, like it's at the rate right now, they're going to do two point three. Well, they got to add. They have to <clears throat> add three and a half to that. No, oh, it's it's not happening. It's not happening. I mean, listen, we've talked about builders. Oh my, you should see what's going on in the market right now. Oof. We're talking about builders. Sorry to be. Uh, <laughs> We're talking builders where they've taken some of the red tape away and made it a little bit easier to build, but not enough. Not enough. We're just not building enough homes. And right now, builders are on a pause. They're totally on a pause. I mean, I've, I have friends who are plumbers and electricians, and they do a lot of the builder business. And the, there's no builder business right now. Some builders aren't building at all. They're waiting till these interest rates come down so they can get you know people buying again because most builders are building First time home buyer product. They're building the townhomes and the terrace homes and the small singles. That's what they're building. Well, if no one's buying them, why are they building them? So they've stopped building some builders. So it's, uh, I mean, it's good to see some of the major builders that are c- continuing to go on, but you'll see a lot of medium sized builders that have just pulled back. They're sitting on their land. They're not going in and throwing any costs and taking money out of their pocket while the market is so slow. It will come back, but I think some of them are waiting for that new, new uh, first time home buyer product. Um, to, to come back to, for the first time home buyers to be able to afford to live and then they can build again. So we can't, usually builders are building at a feverish pace. Now they're pulling back and we need to build through 3.5 million more houses. It's not happening at this climate. That's for sure. Still a lot of red tape. Huh? There's still a lot of red tape. I have some buddies who are builders that it's, it's not at the easy. municipal level. I guess so because they, they control all the permits. Yeah. And- yeah. The, the permits are, are crazy. The, the inspections are crazy to get, to get the shovel in the ground. It used to be super tough. Now it's tough. It's not easy. It's tough. And it, they, they've always talked about if we're going to get more building going on, we got to make it so much easier for builders. They've done it a little bit, but it's still really tough. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter what happens at the federal or provincial level. If the municipality isn't kicking in, then yep. nothing's going to get started. My concern is, are there, like this young generation aren't going into the trades to build homes. So is there even going to be enough people to build these homes that they're talking about? Because there's no incentives that I've seen where enticing kids that are in university to say, hey, take take up a trade and we'll give you a break on your university, uh, you know, that uh, that's what they need to do. They need to be creative. It's time for us to be creative yeah. on building our, our workforce when it comes to tradespeople to build homes, when it comes to the healthcare system, when it comes to, well, teachers are paid well, but getting the right teachers in schools and getting 
schools to do the right thing. I'm, I'm policing. I mean, those are critical sections of our life, day-to-day life. And yet I find that the government, it's almost like they're trying to <laughs> cut budgets in these elements as opposed to being a little bit bit more proactive and getting more people in there and doing it the right way. I agree. I agree with the trades though. They need to start teaching more of that, uh, getting more trades. Cause it's hard now you want, you need a, I was talking to a, a, a contractor the other day, owns a company and, uh, he's telling me he can't get anyone to work. He just, I can't get people to work. He goes, I, I offered this young 21 year old 50 bucks an hour to come work with me. And he turned me down and said, no, I'm good. I'll stay home. Wow. You know what I mean? Like this, there's, there's no one who wants to work anymore and it's crazy. I went to a restaurant. I think I told you guys this last week. I went to a restaurant and this poor girl was serving the entire restaurant, yeah. you know? And she's, and then I'm like, can, can you, can we, can we be seated? And she looks around as a bunch of open tables and she goes, oh, let me go ask the cooks. I'm like why the cooks? Well, there's only two of them today. Like wow. there's three people in the entire restaurant and it's just like, no one wants to work these days, but you're right. A lot of it is trades. A lot of it is, I mean, even when you're trying to get permits, I mean, right now there's a major builder. We helped a buddy buy a lot and all the lots were severed, but they weren't approved yet. And this is like six months later, they still haven't been approved. And the, the builder is like just telling them all the time, like, sorry, we have to extend it. We can't get anyone to approve it because no one's working anymore. So it's just, everything's delayed. Everything's slow. No one's working. And it's just, it's tough. It's really, really tough right now. But I agree with, with Frank. We can't get some of these contractors, and, you know, framers, plumbers, electricians, and all that to get in and start building some of these homes. It's, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm so glad we had that optimistic segment. I feel much better. <laughs> I'd like to say you started though, Steve. Okay. So I promise, I promise next segment's going to be awesome. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. All Steve, right. don't, don't start negative. All start right, positive. optimistic. Okay, yes, let's go. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get a house and you want to be in before Christmas. Yes. You got to get a move on now. We're mid-September already. I don't know how this is happening yeah. in the last weekend of summer, but we're mid-September already. So this week, average house closes with a, like takes what two three months. It, well, your your most common closing is anywhere between sixty to one hundred and twenty days. So two months to to four months. Um, so yeah, if you want to get in before Christmas, you're looking now. I mean, you could potentially even be a little bit late, um, but you want to start looking now. The good news is, is we're starting to see listings hit the market. Last week, I always check the the numbers by week, and it and it shows over the last five years what happened by week. And this week we had a massive increase in number of listings that hit the, hit the uh, market. There was, um, is that partly because rates held? Do you think? I, th- I think so, but also motivated now, but also keep in mind, August is the biggest vacation month, right? Like July, people are sort of setting everything up and this, and that and August is like, Oh, crapola. We need to get out of here and have a vacation because kids are going back to school in three weeks or two weeks, whatever it is. So August is usually a little bit slow. Then we have the French kids go back to school. Then the English kids go back to school. So that, you know, there's a good two, three, four week period of just nothing really going on. And now everyone's back to school. And then the shift focus is now real estate. So we usually see the market starts to dip in July and August, and then go back up in September and October, which is exactly what we're seeing. 
So there's a little more inventory in the market. There's almost 4,300 homes on the market right now, which is the highest we've been all year. So it's there, there is a little more selection. Prices are a little bit more competitive. There's lots of new building going on in, in, in different places. Um, not enough, but there is lots of new home building. I was on your website today. Some of the price is pretty attractive now. Yeah, we do have some some good looking listings and some some reasonably priced listings. Sort of the days of the million dollar plus homes in suburbia has kind of come down a little bit. Like I remember I used to do a search and I'd look in, let's say some, some area in suburbia, almost every single family home was over a million bucks. Yeah. Now it's like, eh, you know, if there's 30 homes or 30 comparables, seven of them might be in the million dollar range. So th- we're seeing prices have come down, which is good news for buyers. People who were sitting on the fence, they thought it was too crazy. We have seen some drops in prices. I mean, keep in mind, we're now our average sale price is at 659000 we were to started the year at six ninety one, but in April last year, last year we were at seven thirty nine. So we we've seen a, a decrease in prices and allows people to get into the market a little bit more affordable. And that's why I say if you can stomach the rates, it's a very good time right now. Very Does that good time. decrease in price offset the interest rate rises? Not to most people. I mean, most people were struggling back then too. Dollar for dollar, though, would it be it, close? It's close. It's close, but it still doesn't doesn't appease people when you know you're looking. But you know. Paul's comment is, you know, townhouses are now down to five ninety nine, six hundred. So, if you're a first time home buyer, generally speaking, most first time home home buyers are buying with five or ten percent down. If you're buying with five percent down, you're still looking at a mortgage payment monthly of thirty five hundred dollars, not counting taxes. So, it's still for a first time home buyer, that's a lot right now. Now, if the interest rates were normal and back in the threes. That payment becomes twenty seven, twenty eight hundred dollars. Now that's that's comparable to what rent is. So yeah. that's that's where first time home buyers are struggling right now to make that decision and, and get off the fence because they're renting for twenty six, twenty seven hundred. But if they transition to home ownership, it's fourteen hundred dollars more. Most people are okay to go three, four hundred dollars more a month to have home ownership, but fourteen hundred is over the top. The spread, the spread has definitely got much bigger. I mean, the rental rates used to be reasonable. I mean, you, you could rent for 1500 for a nice townhome. Now a nice townhome, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, low end 2425, but some are 26, 27, 2800. Yeah, average is 28 now for yeah. three bedroom. Three bedroom, yeah, average is 28. So it, it's, it's getting expensive to rent and it's getting expensive to buy as well. My worry is the people that are renting, because the rents are so expensive, do you ever get out of that rental rat race? You know what I mean? Like it's hard to save. It's hard. It's, it's so hard to save when you're paying, let's say $2,600, $2,700 a month, plus your utilities, which are out of control too, plus your groceries, plus, plus, plus. It's hard. You could be upwards of $4,000 a month and you're, how do you get out of that and get into home ownership? How do you save your down payment? It's really hard. Will we see rent to own come back? <clears throat> I don't think it was ever there. It was, no. it was never there at one point. And it's too much uncertainty in the market that no, I don't think it'll ever be a thing. Well, it'll be a thing, but nothing major. It's too expensive for people to do it. I know I've had people reach out to me and I always say, read the contract and see whether it's worthwhile or not. If they're going to charge you, they're already struggling paying $2,600 yeah. in rent. What a rent own is they elevate your rent and they put that extra money aside and use it as the down payment you to buy that home later on. If the rent stayed neutral and they gave that back to you, then that's okay. But that's not the way the rent to own works. The rent to own works, your rent's 2600 Give me 3600 a month and we'll do a rent to own later on. Well, $3,600 a month, you might as well buy it now because that's what it's going to cost yeah. you. So, so it's tough. Birthdays. Birthdays, uh, a couple, um, uh, a few of them actually. Anna Sousa celebrating a milestone birthday. 
uh, family friends, Marco and Sylvia DiNardo, brother or sister, celebrating their birthdays. And uh, our commercial specialist, Brent Dabcock, who's out in the Belleville area, but works our commercial mortgages here in Ottawa and all of Ontario and Canada, actually, celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday to Brent. We'll have to have him on the show one day. You know what? In 16 years, I've never heard an O'Reilly. No. Babcock. No. That's pretty close. <laughs> not not the Babcock that got in trouble this week. No, this is no, Brent. Not the Babcock that's guy. about to get fired. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have a couple. Actually, I uh, brought my list today, and I missed a few. So Bridget uh, Dompierre, one of my super agents, celebrated five years with the company last week. Uh, Mike Bachargo, who you, we all know, is uh, celebrated his birthday last week. Uh, Susan, who's my closing coordinator, she uh, has a birthday t- uh, today, or tomorrow, actually. And also uh, James, one of my top agents uh, on Sunday. It's his birthday, so happy birthday. Look at this guy prepared. Huh? Yeah. Well, somebody well, did know, that for him. There's he doesn't know last names, it. but yeah. other than yeah. that. <laughs> I know last names of my people. <laughs> Have a great week, folks. Have a great week. Have a great Please week, continue to support local businesses and charities.